Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Fire Brings podcast, funded by the Legend of the Fire Brings Discord community Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korva. And I'm Kikita Kaori. And today we're going to be looking through some news, because we've got some news, which is nice. And we're going to be looking at two fictions, Beneath the Light of Jade by Robert Denton III and Shadow of Glory by Annie Vandermeer Mitsuda. But we do have a little bit of news this week, even though, as far as I yeah. can tell, everybody is busy playing Ghost of Tsushima. So, yes, yes I'm we not. We started that last night. <laughs> we started oh, that the other night here, annoying. so it's pretty good. Apparently, it's awesome. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm very jealous. <laughs> oh, man, I would be so playing it in, in Kurosawa mode. Whatever it's called. The color, it's so beautiful, though. You got to play through with color first one time, at least, and mm. then you can play Kurosawa mode. But yes, it's it, it's probably right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard some really good things about it, and it just looks awesome. So, I don't, I don't have Sekido uh, Shadows Die Twice is the other one that I. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have a console, which is why I don't have it. But mm-hmm. that's the other, that's the other samurai game that's been out not too long ago now. That I really wish really? I had, but I don't. So that's life. <laughs> well, Let's you know, we can all argue about what clan, what clan the main character is, but uh, <laughs> I know he's a Daidoji, so you're just going to have to deal with it. Everybody else is going to have to deal. A- apparently, it depends on. I-, I suspect it depends very much on which of the custom outfits you use. <laughs> Fair he, enough. He does, he does seem to be simultaneously uh, lion and scorpion, from what I've been able to see. But that, that is Taitoji. That's true, I suppose. <laughs> uh, we also we also have uh, an announcement from uh, Edge Studios, who are the people who are taking over the actual publication of Legend of the Five Rings RPG books. Because uh, we've known about Celestial Realms, which was the uh, next in line when the big kind of shakeup happened, but now Edge Studios have announced Writ of the Wilds, which is going to be featuring the Dragon Clan, and that we can look forward to more big ideas in Rockyan's exciting destiny. It's nice to know that things are happening. Yeah, this is an interview on the French site. So you had to pull out your mm. translate. Um, the Google Translate is okay, though I, you know, I can sort of translate <laughs> French well enough to know that the Google Translate was okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I want. I obviously waiting for when we get more details. We'll, we'll right. tell you. But yeah, uh, we did not get any clan letters. I was hoping for more, but we did get the two, uh, two new stories. My, I feel like these clan letters may be separated from the first batch of clan letters for some reason. We've had a lot of events, like maybe they're regarding after Kuden Kikita blow blew up, for example. So yeah, yeah, or or, or possibly there might. It is possible that one of them may have to wait until the next story decision. Which we'll get to in Possibly. a second. Uh, get to in a little bit. Um, so that's a possibility as well. So there might be things mm-hmm. that have to be squared away before the next letter comes out for some of the clans. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah. 
apparently the Gen Con, virtual Gen Con. Yes. Yep. So there'll be an in-flight report for FFG, I understand. Mm-hmm. Nothing is specifically called out in it for L5R. They didn't mention that in their announcement of the in-flight report. Um, but rumors has it that it's not going to be totally bereft of L5R news. So we'll we'll keep watching. Um, yep. The only other thing going on at Gen Con is that there's one Heroes of Rokugan module being run called Heroic Inspiration. Um Heroes of Rokugan is this uh, fourth edition, large living style campaign, and it's got loads of modules. But uh, and it's run from home or in large conventions. Yeah. And they normally do a big deal of games and stuff at Gen Con, but nothing this year because we are all virtual. Well, yeah. Yep. It's all it's all shelter in place and do it from home. So, what a world we live in. But if you want. You can get free Gen Con tickets right now from the website. It's like $2 to play the uh, Heroes of Rokugan module. And uh, basically, there's still slots open last I checked. So, because they're running lots and lots and lots of tables of it. So, mm. if you want to go play a fourth edition game, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll look into that myself. Well, this might come so out too late. But <laughs> well, that's true. I that's forgot true, that. That's true. I forgot so. that. Oh, well. We have our, we have our lead time. So uh, we we'll do. see what happens. Um, yeah, we'll either look at, we either looked in, we'll have looked into that. We'll be looking into that or currently in the, in the exact moment <laughs> of looking into it, depending exactly when this comes out. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> that is the way it goes. Ah. So uh, let's move on to our first fiction, which is Beneath the Light of Jade by Robert Denton III. Well known for his Halloween horror. Yes, and this is this is his bailiwick, which is the Shadowlands. Uh-huh. Because Asako Tsuki, who was last seen plummeting out of a window <laughs> to escape, uh, shall we say, um, questioning by the Kuni, because she had found that it found evidence that Kuni Yuri had been dabbling a little too deeply into the lore of the Shadowlands, mm-hmm. and uh, last thing we knew that she she was trying to get back home, but the only way to to do that was to get further into the Shadowlands, and and thus we left her, and so we find her and her friend Spike, who is a Nezumi. And she does, in fact, find the person that she'd be looking for this whole time, which is Isawa Tadaka, the elemental master of Earth, who went to the Shadowlands to find out how to how to fight evil. But unfortunately, also finds Kuni Yuri, <laughs> and which which is really not what she wanted to do, to be perfectly honest. Um, while Tadaka discovers the tainted destiny that awaits the Kuni, he must decide whether or not to return to the Phoenix, and Tsuki must decide to tell him what Yori has done. And there's also another question that needs to be resolved, but I believe we are going to get to that. <laughs> Indeed. But there's a few few lore nuggets first. Um, I liked mm-hmm. uh, 
one of the things was that Tadaka uses one of Kuniyori's personal objects, which is a, a hairbrush made of mm. whalebone, um, which has an awakened spirit in it, which is a Naramani. Yeah. Um, so we get to hear a little bit more about awakening of Naramani. Uh, the Naramani awakened, which means the kami inside grew to having actual sentience could be talked to and stuff due to yeah. time and use and being cherished over generations. Um, and the Kuni use the Naramani to cast their magic because, uh, they're the safe Kami. You're not calling into the random void around you and you don't know what's going to show up. This, this Kami here that's awakened in this, your personal item, you know, is safe. So you can take it into the Shadowlands and and it will be okay to yep. use to cast magic. But in this case, what happens is he uses it to cast magic, but the the kami then then fled because it's too too terrifying. Um, yeah, yeah. So so once the kami had fled, it left behind just a regular hairbrush with no sentient spirit inside it, which is something yep. that's the Asabo found very tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I found it quite interesting. You, you look at the, the way that Kuniori reacts to Tadaka and how he feels about the Asawa being all hung up on ceremony and deference, um, whereas he is much more... Practical. So Tadaka is like, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I have destroyed this thing that you have be, that's been in your family for centuries. You know, mm-hmm. that's terrible. Whereas Kuniyori is like, it's it's no longer of any use. Throw it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, which So you, you get a really good view of those two different views of magic and how you use it and practicality versus, the, you know, the way things have always been done. Practicality right. versus tradition, that kind of thing. We also learn that the Kuni uh, primarily rely on, on jade offerings for their invocations, mm. um, or if they, especially if they don't have these Naramadi, they could call on because Kansen won't accept jade offerings, and so they're yep. safe. So that's even more reason yep. why um, crab need jade, not just to protect themselves from the taint and mm. to hurt tainted opponents, but that's that's the thing they use to offer the the kami to do their big big spells. Yeah slightly important in that case uh, mm-hmm. we also get new law confirmation of the Akuma no Oni three eyes three tongues and it's the spawn of an Oni lord uh, in old law that was spawned originally the Akuma no Oni was summoned by Isawa Akuma in the year 283 to learn about the afterlife and it did bad things it ravaged Gisei Toshi and destroyed the elemental council of that time which is uh pretty significant that's pretty bad mm-hmm. uh you would have thought that someone with the name akuma would have gone hmm maybe i should do something different uh <laughs> it seems similar it seems new law is going to be the same summoned by isawa akuma and an elemental master in the days before the kai wall so there you go yep looks we about the that. same we know they exist in new law uh, a big plot point in this is that 
almost all the Kuni Daimyo have ended up tainted in the end, so it looks like Kuni Yuri is following a long family tradition. Following in his footsteps. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those things. I'm not entirely sure that we can necessarily trust everything he says, because I think some of these things he is saying, because we have his, his own thought processes, where he's uh, trying very hard not to, like, literally not to praise the elemental master of Earth for <laughs> his awesome Jade Strike abilities, because oh, I, I can't have him getting too ahead of himself, and I can't have him, you know, he won't respect me if, I, if I'm if i too fulsome in my praise. So I think he, I, I wonder if he is necessarily being absolutely honest. Is he perhaps exaggerating for effect? But well, he he says in the story tell, but, that yeah, he says in the story that he's going to confess this, tell mm. tell this to Tadaka, so that Tadaka does not feel ashamed that uh, yeah. Akuma no Oni was uh, originated from an elemental yeah, that's master. True. That's true. So. Yeah, good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's a big thing actually. Uh, meanwhile, we meet Spike, and, and Spike, <laughs> I think, has immediately become a, a huge favourite. Uh, yes. Also known as Best Spike mouse. in the Gut. Yeah, <laughs> it, she, uh, she is a Nezumi, which are described well in Shadowlands' book in the RPG. Uh, she's Her name is derived from experience, Spike in the Gut, because she had a spike in her gut uh, from being stabbed in the side. I can't remember if it was established what exactly it was that was in her, but... Um, a, a tooth or some Suki sort, took it out of her. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it was like a tooth or something. Uh, and so she, picked, she picked that that name for herself based on her own experiences, so that, that she considers that to be a significant part of her story, which is interesting. The language uh, for the Nizumi is modified by secreted scents and musks, so while the mm. Nizumi can more or less talk Rokugani, Rokugani can sort of talk Nizumi. It's really hard to pull off the special olfactory effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, I presume it's kind of be kind of like because you know, like Nizumi have to talk to each other from a distance away where you can't smell, or if it's a strong wind, mm-hmm. that must be kind of like what it is trying to talk to a Rokugani person trying to speak Nizumi. It's like you're just missing a whole channel of information. Like, maybe if you couldn't read someone's facial expressions or their body language, that could be quite... T- like, uh, like I think when you talk to someone over text, you know, <laughs> you get, you're losing a lot of information. That must be what it must be like for uh, Nizumi. Yeah, there, there's some other interesting tidbits, like faint chattering, brusking, is kind of an expression of emotion. So instead of, like, blushing, maybe... Those kind of little chattering noises. I thought that was rather neat. I really, I really, I really like the way Spike is portrayed here, and and what that tells us about the Nezumi. It's really cool. Right, and uh, the Nezumi are able to find untainted food and water in the Shadowlands. They can even consume suspect water, and Kansen don't bother them. So, if you want to survive in the Shadowlands for any length of time, you got to find you a Nezumi. Who really yeah. likes you? Uh, like, yeah, like Tsuki at this point has survived for weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, I haven't like, put this on the timeline yet, but quite a while. Yeah, 
quite a while, which is normally, that would normally be, you know, she'd be a, a, a tainted monster by now for almost anybody. Mm-hmm. But because she found Spike and helped Spike and Spike's helping her, she's managed to survive really a long time, which I think is really, really neat. Uh, we learn a Nazumi word. It's, we're not quite sure what it means because Spike finds Tadaka and Yori and says, oh, I, I've seen some people. And uh, Tsuki's go, oh, people, take me to them. And But they are Zack Secker. Apparently, but or at least we're Kuni not quite Yuri sure what Zack Secker means. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I, th- th- there's a lot of there's a lot of debate about what that means at this point. But yeah, does it mean Shugenja? Probably not. Does it mean Bloodspeaker slash Mahotsukai? Does it mean Tainted Person? Yeah, and so Spike is going. No, we we really shouldn't. And Suki's going. Please, I need to find them. <laughs> And it, it 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 goes well. Uh, no, it doesn't. I, that's a complete lie. But yeah. <laughs> so that was an interesting piece of, of, of information. Uh, let's see. So when they find the camp, we hear about uh, Jinmaku. And every time I see anything samurai, there's always these Jinmaku mm. everywhere, which are these large military curtains. Uh, they're hung on poles. Yep. Uh, on And the poles are staged in the ground. They're usually about five foot, meter and a half tall by 28, 28 feet wide, or about eight and a half mm. meters wide. Um, and yep. they are painted with these huge mons, and they're you know the great backdrop against which you have your seated daimyo making decisions yep. on the battlefield. But basically, they're used to surround a campsite or a, a tent, a very, very large tent, mm. and made of hemp yeah. cloth. Yeah, they're basically windbreaks. That's, that's the plan mm-hmm. of them. That's what they're for. Then. <laughs> yeah, and as you say, they are absolutely iconic. <laughs> but uh, they, learn... they're used here to disguise the numbers. They're used here to disguise the numbers yeah. of uh, people in a camp, so they would go around the camp, make a wall of these things. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, a creature kind of like puffing itself up and going, I'm big, Rah, don't bother me. And they're kind of like, <laughs> yeah, let's do the same thing. So hopefully some Shadowlands things go, mm, let's not bother. Uh, <laughs> we also have mention of a Hanbo, which is a half-staff about three foot, a little less than a meter long, uh, which apparently um, Tadaka's scroll case can be used as, <laughs> which is um, entertaining. <laughs> it's a way, one way of keeping scroll, scrolls together. Uh, I suppose it, it's... Uh, yeah, just in case you need to thwack someone with something. So, I thought it was have cool. A scroll his... case and a weapon. Yeah, I thought it was cool. His scroll cases are made of ceramic, so he's got two three-foot-long mm. ceramic scroll cases, and those would probably do a yeah. number on you if they thunk you upside the head. So Aye. definitely, they might weapon. be a bit, might be a bit brittle, but mm. a little heavy. So we were a little heavy, yeah. So we were talking about. Uh, story, uh, a possible story decision which might be delaying the Crab Clan letter, possibly even the Phoenix one. Uh, this is because the outcome of the story or the next stage of this story is going to come down to a story vote. Because the very end of it, we discover that Kuniyori is in fact tainted, as is tradition for the Kuni Daimyo. 
as it turns out. Mm -hmm. And the prompt is, Kuniyori's soul has been compromised by the Shadowlands taint. Will he follow the path of humility and return to face his champion's judgment? Or will he follow the path of courage and continue his work into the Shadowlands under Isawa Tadaka's vigilance? Yep, and this one is given to the Hadamodos to vote for, so uh, scrubs like you and I, we don't don't get to pick what the vote is. But what would you pick if you had a vote? We are peasants. I I think humility, because that is going likely to be the most different from old law. That's basically my my thinking. Hmm. Uh, especially if it actually goes humility and doesn't isn't just I'm going to go back and start whispering into Kisada's ear about ooh Shadowlands, nothing wrong with the Shadowlands, we should make an alliance. <laughs> but if he's genuinely going back and saying. I have, I, you know, it's gone wrong. You know, I need, I need, you know, please help me fix this. So that's kind of my preference, but obviously other people may see it differently. Fair enough. Um, How about yourself? I think that I would pick humility for the exact opposite reason. (laughs) I think that, um, I, I think that, uh, I would, he would go and and go back and whisper in Kasada's ear, and I think that that is, I think that's kind of neat. I I, I like the story of the crab. I mean, I can understand, you know, from from old Five R lore. I wouldn't want it exactly mm. the same, but I, I I enjoy seeing some of these tropes done similar to old lore, but done so much better because I think old lore had a good story. Not not all right. of old lore, but the the whole clan wars to Day of Thunder part overall had a good story that could be so much better, and so I, yeah, I I'd right, be right. interested to see what they have to what they have to do with Kuniyori's story um, as I as a villain it because might... it happens. <laughs> it might be difficult to get. I, I mean, I, I think crab players aren't they not the same as they were in old law in in those old times? I think the crab player base is different, so I don't know that they're likely to want to go full Shadowlands the way the crab clan did way back. In the well, I don't think that there's a so. a whole lot of choice about what happens to you. I mean, I can think of a lot of things going on with the crane in New 5R that I'm sure the crane players are not wildly enthusiastic about what's going on with their clan, for example. Um, Yeah, but the the difference is that's not completely against what the crane clan are and what they stand for. This this isn't the crane clan becoming, you know, full-on military, (laughs) uncultured, we don't care about art anymore. You know, it this it's bad it's bad events happening to them, which is very different from let's completely abandon our ancient duty and in fact do the exact opposite of our ancient duty. If you see there's a difference in there. I, I understand that, but I think on the other hand, there is an a conflict that is inherent in the Crab Clan. Um, that is mm-hmm. the axis around which their story is told. And that is, how far do you go with pragmatism? 
Mm. Okay, I mean the the yeah. Yeah. the crab clan aren't none of the clans are interesting by themselves. Well, they're they're kind of cool, but they they have uh, they have these axes around which they yeah. um, bend, or that you know that their story is told. Okay. Um, like Phoenix, we, you know, there's a reason that Mahosuka keep popping up in Phoenix stories. It's because yeah. their access is about power and how, you know, what do you do for power and what does power mean? And, and yeah. it's just the access around that story. Um, Scorpion deal a lot with traitors because yeah. their story is about loyalty. And, yeah. you know, how do you interpret loyalty? It, it's just that's that's the axis around it, how it lies. Crab's axis has been around pragmatism and how much do you discard honor because you yeah. have to, 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 to do this huge, huge duty. How far do you go? What, what do you abandon and what do you... Yeah give up in order to save the empire. That's the axis around which the crab story is told. So that's why I think I don't like the whole crab itself, like entirely going, yeah, let's, uh, let's ditch the whole thing and, you know, join in Shadowlands. That's a, that's a stupid version of the story, but the, oh my gosh, we have to sort out the, the empire, so that we can defeat the yeah. Shadowlands. So let's go get involved with the politics of the Empire for a w- bit and put the Shadowlands aside so we can fix it and then go back to attack the Shadowlands, which is really yeah. the premise of what happened with Hida Kasada. Works that axis. What's pragmatic? What's you know, What do we mm. do because we have to do it in order to do this absolutely monumental and impossible but must be done duty that we have to do. So that's why I think it's, it's, it can be done well and is interesting mm-hmm. if you put a good writer in it. But when yeah. you do that, you need a person who's the voice of pragmatism over honor. And Kuniyori is a yeah, good yeah, yeah. one for it because <laughs> he's yeah, doing it yeah, all I mean, the way along here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So there you go. That's an interesting decision that's going to be up to the Hatamoto. Um, I believe most of our individual clan chats on the Discord have been having their own little polls. And, uh, <laughs> it'd be interesting to see how that all turns out. I don't know when when I don't know when this is going to get voted on. Actually, I think it's already been voted on. It's it's like it, they opened up a, a vote on. I thought maybe it was Tuesday last week, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm not at a moto, so I'm not on the list. No, we are but peasants. How sad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, geez, Amorai, maybe. So. <laughs> but I got another story. Yes. Um, this story is called The Shadow of Glory. It is by Annie Vandermeer Mitsoda, uh, who... Loves to write Kudaka, so this one is about Kudaka and mm-hmm. Yasuki Oguri. They are still at the Watchtower of Sunshadow. Uh, many of the Mantis, including the other two ten, ten Kinja, have headed back to Kudenhida at their best speed to report. Yep. Uh, reinforcements arrive in the form of the arrogant Hida Etsuji from the Watchtower of the Iron Hammer. 
Uh, Tsuji is dismissive of other clans and is looking to make a name for himself. And then mm. the Watchtower is attacked by Bakemono with bows. We're uncovering an assault by undead walking under the river. So Atsuji rashly sallies forth. Kodaka calls on the river Kami to wash away the undead. And uh, also senses a Kansa nearby. Uh, it looks like something is directing the forces of the Shadowlands in an organized manner and scouting them. So mm. they are faced with an unknown foe and a glory-seeking commander and are stuck wondering how they're going to survive this and make Etsuji summon reinforcements. Yeah. It's uh I I, I love these I love these two, Kudaka and Aguri. <laughs> they they're just it's it's they're just a really great kind of pair working together and, and stuff like that. And they're being put into an interesting situation, which is giving us more about what's going on in the Shadowlands. And mm -hmm. making it very worrying. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed this one. Good. Uh, we had some interesting lore nuggets. We have uh, some named watchtowers. Sunshadow, which we knew, the watchtower of the Sunshadow, which we knew already because that's where the previous fiction, where they took it back from the Shadowlands forces. But we have the watchtower of the Iron Hammer, which is where uh, Itsuji comes from. And pretty much that's all we know about it. Um, mm -hmm. He also he seems to be he was saying we don't we don't have you know we we are all about being a warrior and not about fixing things even though this watchtower really needs to be fixed right now <laughs> and we also know of the watchtower of Grim Resolve which is south of Sun's Shadow because it was referenced that the Mantis were the Mantis who's still in this watchtower were thinking. Maybe we should go to the next one, which and that involves going to the south. So, mm -hmm. not quite. We're not, we're not quite sure where it is, but it's yeah, it's just to the south. Yeah, we also got some good uh, good stuff about card games. So mm. early in the story, uh, Oguri and Kudaka are playing what sounds like a version of poker with larger cards and bamboo markers for poker chips. Um, in that mm. game. There are four suites with Bushi and Shiginja and probably other court personalities. Yeah. Uh, and what sounds like a, a flush, a lotus, which sounds yeah, like a yeah. flush in poker. The, the other possibility is that it's something like Mahjong, where mm -hmm. you make sets of threes. And you have, you have four, uh, four suits as well. Um, but they're not Bushi and Shigenja. They're also not hearts and clubs. It's things like circles and uh, bamboo and characters. And I can't remember the other one. And various other mm -hmm. things. And you make, you make sets and then sets of three and you have a bunch of sets and that becomes a particular type of hand and that gives you scoring. And there is scoring using bar bamboo markers. So it's somewhere between those two, I think. But yes, it's not Hanafuda. It's something no. different. <laughs> so they do mention Hanafuda, which uh, is mm -hmm. cited as a traditional card game played by many Rokugani, as opposed to this weird ga gaijin game that these two are playing. Um, Hanafuda mm. means flower cards. Uh, the most current versions of Hanafuda um, were, are played with 12 suites or months. They call them mm. months. Uh, with four cards per month. 
And it's kind of, it's generally played with the goal of accumulating a maximum number of points in hand. So you have to remember yeah. this large number of card values and combinations to determine your points. But in general, it's played a little, little like go, go fish more than anything else, uh, fishing games. Yeah, yeah. Now, in Japan, card games were originally brought to Japan from the Portuguese. Um, and then... The rules kept changing because the shogun kept forbidding gambling. And mm. rather than saying, you shall not gamble and change money, it was like, we'll forbid this card game that yeah. people are playing to gamble. And then they changed the rules so it's a different card game. And then they forbid this. Yeah. And then they changed, oh, well, we'll forbid these decks of cards. Oh, okay, we'll do it with this other deck of cards. <laughs> so you have this evolution a very rapid evolution because everybody still wants to keep changing money on random chance. Um, yeah. So that's where you get Hanafuda. Uh, it's just like, that's just where it left off. But it's a very late development. Um, really, the mm. modern Hanafuda kind of deck uh, was solidified by the company Nintendo which was founded in 1889 to sell handmade Hanafuda cards, which oh. is hilarious to me. My, <laughs> my experience with Hanafuda is by playing the Yakuza, the Ryuga Gotoku games. And mm -hmm. some of them have as a side activity, you can, you can play various gambling games, including Hanafuda. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, we also get mention of Shogi, which is a Japanese variant of chess, which um, Kudaka says, no, I'm not going to play that because you'd win, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> right. Let's see. They do talk about bakamono as a uh, synonym for goblins. Mm. So we've heard or that before. Whether, yeah, whether, whether bakamono, we, we tend to translate that into English as goblins, whether they're, the same as our goblins, especially our role-playing game goblins. Who knows? But they mm -hmm. kind of they, they clearly occupy the same niche. Mm -hmm. In uh, Let's see. And then they talk about the Battle of Twenty Pyres at Kudenhida. So, as a recent battle that first showed that there was an organized opposition. So, I think mm. the, I I I'm saying that this one is probably uh, the battle that is in Dark Hands of Heaven, which was the first crab fiction in right. E5R. Uh, because okay. that sounds about right. Just what happened, mm. the events described, the pyres were very vividly described at the end. So I think they're referring to that. We get some amusing insults from the Mantis about crab. Uh, great donkeys, thick-necked stomper, Hard-headed scuttlers and uh, Yasuki cormorants, which is more of an affectionate term that Kudaka has for Yasuki Oguri. <laughs> which I thought was rather fun. So, if you're playing a mantis, you want to take some notes. <laughs> of course, you yeah, have your your insult game on point. Cra crab insults for mantis, Absolutely. of course, was the uh, spindly saltwater insects. And yeah. they do call Kadaka a witch, but that's just, that I think she takes as a formal title the way she uses it. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Um, I've actually, I'm not, witch might not be a gendered insult or a gendered term in Rokugani. 
mm-hmm. possibly. But so that's that would be an interesting one. So I mm-hmm. think the big question we get from this particular fiction is what is out there that Kudaka is sensing and what is its plans? Because I, I yeah. find it very interesting that there seems to be a singular Kansen that is like, because you, you don't, you don't get that thing because we've, we've had the point of view of various Shugenja this, at this point, And they don't tend to go, I sense a great, big, powerful Kami in the area. Mm-hmm. But Kudaku sensing a great, big, powerful Kansen, which I think is a very interesting difference. So what is it? What's it want? What's it doing? Yeah, my sense with it was that uh, it the Kansen don't seem incredibly intelligent on their own. They're more like overwhelming mm. kami, you know, similar to, to the kami in the Shadowlands. But yeah. that implies that there is a being that can control Kansen using mm. a Kansen to scout for them. Because the Kansen yeah. held back, did not attack Kudaka, but was holding back no. and watching um, so that, like I said, that implies that something is out there. It's using Kansen to, mm. to watch. Uh, I think that it's very quickly apparent that, uh, Hida, uh, Etsuji is a moron <laughs> and bad things are going to happen here. <laughs> really bad yeah. things are going to happen here. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's dismissing any kind of advice from anyone, either Kudaka or Guri, because he doesn't think they're, they're not like the mighty Hida, and therefore they're no good. Therefore, he doesn't need to listen to them, which is a pity because they both realize, Kudaka and, uh, Kudaka and Guri both realize that someone is coordinating the Shadowlands in a way that has not been seen in living memory because. You did the whole thing of having the Bakemono cover an assault by undead und, you know, along the bottom of a river. Mm-hmm. That was unprecedented. That's that's a, that's a coordinated strategic mind, and Itsuji is just not having none of it because he wants a great he wants a big name for himself. So he's mm-hmm. not going to ask for help, even though they desperately need help. And he thinks that he defeated them. Yes. Rather than yes. Kadaka. He, you know, he thinks it's like, we had this yeah. glorious victory. Yeah. Whereas, in fact, it was a combination of Aguri's paranoia and Kudaka's abilities. They're kind of like, we need to check this. Oh, my goodness. Can you do <laughs> something? Yeah. And, it, yeah. and he's all, we won. I won. Brr. So, so let's you hope this doesn't go too horribly wrong because I really do like Kudaka and Aguri. Yeah. Um, but we shall find out, I guess. Uh, that's it for us, mm. though, this week. We, those are enough topics to talk about for now. Like, give a call out to our sister podcast, the L5R LCG podcast, uh, which you can find in pretty much the exact same place as you find us, and we'll have links to everything in our show notes. You can also listen to our two actual play role-playing game poll. Oh, heaven's sake. Our two actual play role-playing podcasts, Crimson Gold Agonies and Fortune and Strife. 
All our podcasts are funded by the Discord Patreon, which supports our editing costs, as well as our website, where you can store and see longer-term information, summaries of our podcasts, RPG tools, and more stuff. And for our Patreons, we have little special adventure, special, special bonuses like adventure seats or watch parties, that sort of thing. And of course, if you've got suggestions for things that we could add or things you want mm-hmm. to see from us, we would love to hear from you. You can find our website at courtgamespod.com. We are on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash courtgamespod. And you can find us at Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. This is it for us this week. This is Kikita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I've been Korvar. And until we meet again, keep your jade handy. <laughs> <laughs>